Hey, what's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to episode three of the More to Movement podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to define a global view of movement, and I'm going to discuss how everything is connected through our fascial and muscular networks. I'm also going to provide you with tips on how to start training yourself to catch dysfunction before it can start to wreak havoc on your movement. Should be a great show. Stick around. Welcome to the More to Movement podcast, where we break down the science behind movement and provide you with tangible takeaways so you can take charge of your health and fitness and achieve lasting results. If you're ready to optimize your efforts, move with purpose, and invest in your health and performance with confidence and vigor, you've come to the right place. Here's your host, Pete Rowletter. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of More to Movement. In good old Pete fashion, I'm going to start right away with a visual. What do you think of a skeleton? What comes to mind? For most of you, it's probably Halloween decorations, right? With the bones just kind of suspended, hanging on someone's door. Now think of muscles. What comes to mind now? Probably thinking of somebody lifting weights or maybe even somebody flexing their arms at the gym. And those views are pretty common. When I say skeleton or muscles, those are the visuals that come up for most people. But these visuals are very, very isolated. So to understand what we're talking about today and how to start actually implementing movement improvements, we have to change our approach on how we view those systems and further how those systems actually work. I want you to picture your body now. What would happen if I removed all the muscles from your body? Would your skeletal system stay in that perfect formation, the visual that I talked about earlier with the Halloween decorations? No, of course not. The bones would all just collapse to the ground. So what would happen if I did the same thing to your bones? If I just removed all of them? Of course, the same thing. Your muscles would be one big blobby mess on the floor. Needless to say, the body is a codependent unit. The skeleton needs the muscles just as much as the muscles need the bone. But let's take that a step further. What happens if I do a handstand and my body is upside down? Why does my body maintain that structure and I just don't slip and the muscles get all tangled and the bones collapse on top of each other? It's because the body is supported through continuous compression and tension and the body adapts to those changes and those relationships between compression and tension change. And this concept is demonstrated very well by something called tensegrity. Tensegrity is a concept that was developed by an architect named Buckminster Fuller, and he based that concept off of sculptures he saw. Those sculptures were designed by Kenneth Nelson. But more recent developments in our field have kind of been pioneered by manual therapist Tom Myers. And tensegrity demonstrates really well how structures are held together through constant tension. Tensegrity is a combination of tension and compression, where compression pushes outward against the tension that pulls it inward, distributing forces throughout the system. And as Tom Myers puts it, the body is not a brick wall, meaning it is not stacked one bone on top of the other. Instead, it resembles more of a tensegrity model. And Tom Myers continues by stating that bones somewhat float without touching each other in that continuous sea of balanced tension. It's a nice visual. What I'd like you to do now is visualize a floating spider web that was spun between twigs and sticks that are on the ground. 
and those twigs are now suspended between the strands of web. That is a really tough concept to grasp. So I have a graphic on the show notes page uh, at mortemovement.com that can help you uh, visualize this concept a little bit better. But this is a good example of how tensegrity works. When you take that concept of this compression and this tension and the interacting forces and how they are all working together, you can apply this to the human body. Compression and tension are in constant balance and they're all connected through our fascial system. And I'll talk about fascia more in a bit. If you introduce strain into a tensegrity structure, like a muscle contraction or an injury, for example, then the deformation will obviously be distributed all over the entire structure. You have to think globally, not locally. So to put it into context, if something occurs at your foot, it will actually affect the body all the way up. So let's go back to fascia for a minute. What is fascia? And I'm going to discuss fascia at length in future episodes, but for now I'm going to keep it very simple. Fascia is what holds us together. It resembles a spider web, like kind of as I mentioned before. That's why I use that visual. It's a sticky, fibrous protein, and it surrounds everything in the body. And more importantly, it actually connects everything and can play a significant role in our movement or our lack thereof. Imagine one long connected tissue from the bottom of your foot that runs all the way up your back to the base of your skull. Though each muscle has a unique attachment point, they are actually all connected through the fascial network. So in actuality, your foot is connected to your skull through this same fascial tissue. With this concept in mind, are we really isolated when we manipulate tissue in a particular area? For example, if I massage your lower back, is it only your lower back that is affected? Here's another hands-on demonstration, and again, this one's from Tom Myers, and I promise you it's not a parlor trick. Stand up and reach for your toes, and I want you to take note of where you feel the stretch or how far you can go. Typically, you'll feel this in your calves or your hamstrings, the back of the legs, or your lower back. Now, I want you to take a semi-hard object like a baseball. If you have a lacrosse ball, use that. And I want you to apply pressure to the bottom of just one of your feet. Just one. Move it up and down, side to side, but only on that one foot, almost like you're giving yourself a foot massage. After five minutes, I want you to stand back up and then stretch again, and you'll be amazed at what happens. Bit of a spoiler here, but if you do it, you'll immediately notice that the foot you massaged and that entire side of the body will seem released, and you'll see a further stretch on that side. So you improved your hamstring range of motion by manipulating your foot, right? In a way, yes. But this helps drive the point home that the tissue of the body is interconnected and responds in kind when changes occur. So yes, we didn't directly apply any forces to the hamstrings, but by applying force to the tissue at the bottom of the foot that is connected to the hamstring, we initiated a release through that tissue and we were able to move through a better range of motion. Because tissues are interconnected, we need to start looking at movement in a global sense. We need to look at how groups of muscles, not just individual muscles, work together to transfer force, stabilize bones and joints, and accomplish movements. Now, this is not to be confused with myofascial lines or meridians, and I'll chat with you about those later. That's a much bigger concept to talk about. So for the context of this episode, though, I'm just going to focus on the interactive muscle groups. The global view sees muscles as subsystems, 
they're also known as slings and these are very important to movement and so a full discussion of these muscle slings will be forthcoming but for now i want you to get a general idea of the concept in order to move we must consider how the upper and lower body muscles work together and that force is actually being transferred between those muscles the epicenter of force transfer is the center of the body, or more specifically, the hip complex. I like to use the analogy of a large highway interchange. So here in Atlanta, we have something called the Spaghetti Junction, which if you've ever driven through Atlanta, you know what I'm talking about. It's the intersection of two major highways as well as several access roads. And Atlanta being one of the worst cities in the nation for driving and traffic, you can imagine how congested the Spaghetti Junction gets. I like this visual because the hips work as an interchange of sorts. The hips transfer and direct forces up and down the body through a smooth process until something hinders it, like a fender bender, for example, that blocks an exit. Traffic is obviously redirected and it's slowed significantly, which makes driving less efficient. And it's the same way in the body. If we have something hindering our force transfer, say like an injury or even poor muscle activation, our movements will suffer just like traffic. Force needs to travel through the hips effectively, and that's where soft tissue comes in. There are groups of muscles in this lumbar pelvic hip complex that help control, stabilize, and transfer force efficiently through the body. As mentioned earlier, these slings play that role. I want you to think of a bungee cord. They are typically wrapped around something that you want to secure, and they're great for absorbing shock. Bungees are a useful image for the slings because these are groups of muscles that are interconnected and they work to stabilize the hip complex and assist with movement by absorbing and transferring force. So for today, I just want you to have the visual of these interconnected muscles. To keep it simple, imagine bungees that wrap around your waist and your lower back, that twist around your legs and attach up to your shoulders. If you have that visual, you can imagine how the mid region and the hips are secured and supported. However, the slings promote and contribute to movement in addition to just supporting and stabilizing. So why does this matter, Pete? Simply, if a change in alignment occurs at one joint, change in alignment of other joints must occur. This goes back to that global view of the body and of movement that I've been talking about. If you can, stand up. Now, slowly bring one of your knees towards the other so that the insides of your knees slightly touch. It's called the valgus effect. Everyone notices the knee. But what do you notice about the ankle of that leg? It's over pronating. So you're on the inside of that foot. What about your thigh? What do you notice about that? It's internally rotating and you can probably feel pinching at the front of the hip. You'll also notice that the hip drops, which will also cause imbalances at the hip. I could go on, but you get the picture. It's always cause and effect in the body. Movement is integrated and multidimensional. And it's not a series of isolated interdependent pieces. This concept is important because dysfunction at one aspect will cause a disruption of force up the chain, which will limit your potential in development, cause potential pain, or even lead to injury. And that's why this is so important. So what's your takeaway today? Think big picture. Don't focus so much on that local musculature, but on your global movements. If you notice a problem with your movement, try to locate where you see the issue and kind of web out to determine the possible cause. So you could ask yourself, what muscles are surrounding the joint or that area that has the problem? Maybe write those down. 
You could ask yourself what joints are above and below the area that are causing issues. And again, write those down. Thirdly, you can ask, is there dysfunction occurring at those joints? Is there something happening that shouldn't be? Again, write all those down and then create a top three list of movement dysfunctions that you want to address. It's what I do with all my clients. It's what I teach all my students is make a priorities list. Top three. Find three things that you want to work on first, and then you can always add to that list. Let me give you an example. Let's say you're performing an overhead press exercise, and you notice your shoulder feels a bit wonky. Doesn't feel right. So start to explore that movement. Maybe you see that your shoulders are shrugging as you press. Then you notice that your shoulders are a bit rounded, and they're rounding forward, and they're not set back or retracted like they should be. So note those observations and then start addressing the underlying causes. So some of you may be thinking, but Pete, I don't know what causes these things. Fret not because I will be addressing common movement discrepancies and I'll be providing strategic solutions to correct those issues. So be on the lookout for those. So to summarize today, movement is not isolated, but integrated and multidimensional. Everything in the body is connected and movement occurs through a continual balance of compression and tension. Keep in mind that dysfunction at one aspect of the body will cause a disruption of force up the chain, which will limit your potential and development, could cause pain, and could lead to potential injury. Finally, we need to start training ourselves to observe our movement. So we need to start looking at the body from a global and not local point of view so that we can optimize our efforts. All right, everybody. I know I introduced a lot today, global views of movement, fascial networks, muscle slings, corrective movement strategies, but I hope you're excited as I am to dive into these things and dive into these concepts to really get our movement on point because that's where we're headed and I'm really excited to get there. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and spending some time with me again. If you want updates on my new episodes, please subscribe to the podcast or join my mailing list at moretomovement.com so you're the first to hear and see the latest content I was talking about just a bit ago. As you've gathered, my goal is to enhance your movement awareness. So in the next episode, we'll discuss how you can identify movement issues just by observing planes of movement. That simple. I look forward to chatting with you next time. And thanks again, everybody. Remember, wherever you are, keep moving. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of More to Movement with your host, Pete Rowletter. If you enjoyed the show, please visit moretomovement.com where you can find this episode's show notes along with more episodes and articles to empower you on your journey.